Hey, thank you for listening to Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel Las Vegas. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are streamed. You can also visit PraiseChapelLasVegas.com and follow us on social media at PC Las Vegas to stay connected with PCLV. Thank you again for listening. Here comes today's message. I'm on victory, amen. That's what our, our, our leadership has been ministering on, is on victory. And so we're going to do that tonight, amen. So I want to give you, I want you to put your hands together, put, give the Lord all kinds of praise, amen, as Brother Victor comes up, amen. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Good to be here. Amen. Fresh, exciting. Amen. This year has been a really uh, an amazing year with everything that's been going on and everything that's been taking place. But, you know, we have to realize that you know, victory is what God has given us throughout this year. And we have to understand that He's wanting us to have victory through all that we're going through, all that we're facing. Even with the world is in a turmoil all throughout the world, not just here. It's everywhere. Everybody has been hit with this. But the thing is, is that God wants us to realize we are supposed to be a people that face these battles with victory. Amen? So hopefully we won't keep you too long tonight. Just a few hours. I started off, you know, like Pastor said, you know, I was supposed to be up here a couple months ago, and that never happened. And and as time uh, went along and things have changed and and so, so did the message that God put on my heart too. All right, it, one week from the next, it's always going to change. But His word not doesn't change. It, it never changes, and that's one thing that we have to realize is that through His word, there's going to be decisions that we need to make in our life. Decisions every day when we get up, every day we face. Uh, our, our life, we face our work, we face our problems, we face our friends, we face our family. But the thing is, is we got to get up. And the thing is, is a lot of us, we do hopefully look at ourselves in the mirror. Amen? Do, do, you, do you do that? Do you, do you look at yourself and say, I look good? Come on. You got to, come on. You got to, do you look good? Come on. You know, either that or we're trying to improve our looks, okay? But, you know, we got to have a good attitude about ourselves. Because if not, we're not going to be able to get out that door. But the thing is, before we get out that door, a lot of times we uh, get ready for work or whatever we're going to do during the day, but we're not actually spending any time with the Lord. And the thing is, is that in order for us to have that victory that God wants us to have, 
is we need to spend some time with Him. That means that we have to put time aside, that we need to, to study or read or, or, or to talk to God or have a cup of coffee in the morning. Go outside and just get away from the, the things that are around you. I have, I have projects. I have work to do. But, you know, I have to say, no, I, I'm not going to do that today. I'm going to take the time to see what God has for me. I want to know if I'm going to go out there in this world and be able to face what I'm going to face, know that I'm going to have the victory if I have the Word of God inside of me. Because without the Word of God inside of me, we're nothing. You know, God says that, that He's going to know us by our fruits. And a few weeks ago, I went outside and I have a, a fig tree out in the front yard and I had a couple of figs on there and the first one, uh, it was already getting ripe and I went to go pick it and opened it up and it wasn't any good. Then recently, uh, another fig that was next to it started to ripen and I went out there and it's all right, I have to pick it. Opened it up, and it was bad. It had mold inside. And it's, man, this is unusual. But this is what, what happens. Uh, we're in a different time. And, and, and it's, man, I was hopefully going to be able to enjoy eating that fig. All right? But I wasn't able to. But it's a lot of times we have to look at that as that how we see ourselves. You know, we say, oh, I look good. Really? We look good. On the outside. But what do we have inside of us that matters? You know what? We can, we can fool everybody else around us. But you can't fool yourself. You can't fool God. We have to be ready. We have to be prepared for what we're going to face out there. And we can't do that on our own. We cannot face that battle on our own. We cannot have victory on our own. Because we have to realize the victory that we have is in Christ Jesus. If it wasn't for Him, we wouldn't be sitting here. Many of us wouldn't even be here today if it wasn't for the fact that He knocked on our heart. I can testify this month, the end of this month, it will be 37 years. But it, it took the Lord to come and knock on my heart to get me to realize I couldn't do it without Him. I couldn't get delivered without Him. I couldn't overcome the battle that I was facing without Him. I couldn't overcome the drugs and the alcohol without Jesus. Because the day that I accepted Jesus Christ into my life and into my heart, He took that away. I couldn't do that. My, my family said, oh, you need help. You need to go to AA. You need to take this program. And, and my mom would send me all kinds of literature week after week. And she was hoping that I would go and follow through with what she gave me. But I would just throw it away. Because I says, I don't need that. But deep down inside, I needed something. Deep down inside, 
Every day I walked out to the streets in Ventura where I lived before I came back to the valley. And every time I walked around, somebody was handing me a track. Isn't that amazing? Somebody was handing me a piece of the Bible. The problem I had is I read it. Without realizing, I kept reading. Because I was hoping to find something. And I kept reading them. And I watched other people, they would just throw them away, throw them away. But I kept reading, hoping to find an answer. And as time went along, I, I, never, I never made a commitment. One day out of, out of nowhere, this man shows up. Here, I was getting up early Sunday morning to go out and get a bottle of wine. This guy shows up out of nowhere. Never seen him before in my life. That's you know what? That was a messenger from God, but I didn't know that. He started speaking to me and start ministering to me, and it must have seemed like an hour or so went by. And finally we parted. And I felt something different for the first time. But the problem is, is I had nowhere to go. A lot of times we have nowhere to go. A lot of times we're all by ourselves. And we have nowhere to go. But here, we get back to, uh, to the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel 17. And I'd like to read a, a couple of scriptures out of there, if you have it on the, on the screen, on verse uh, 36 and through uh, 37, all right? It says, Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. But this uncircumcised Philistine will be like them because he has to follow the armies of the living God. Amen? In verse 37, it's up there. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go. And the Lord be with you. But you know, we look at a young man, a young boy, really. David, here he goes out to the front line, to the battlefield where his brothers are at, to bring them a, a gift basket. And yet, all he could hear is the 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 this man, this Goliath defiling the armies of God, putting down the children of God, putting down us. All he can hear is how he was putting us down. And David couldn't understand why. Here, here this is the army of God. Here's the warriors of God. Here's man of valor. And not one of them would take the challenge that he was placing before them. Goliath challenged if you just send out your best to take me out. And if you take me out, we'll be your servants. But if I take you out, you will be my servants. All right? Sound fair enough? Instead of everybody fighting, just one-on-one. -on -one. King Saul would probably have been the best one for the uh, to be appointed to go out there because he was a mighty man. He was a warrior. He talks about him taking out thousands. 
Amen? But yet not, not even King Saul would challenge the Goliath. But here, here's a young boy. Shows up. Probably not that big either. Look good. Like some of us. Amen? But yet, all he could hear is how he put down the children of God, how he put down the armies of God, and he tells King Saul, I'll take up that challenge. So King Saul says, okay, that's fine. You go out there and, and God be with you. And he tells David, he says, okay, you put on my armor to go out and fight Goliath. So they load all this gear down on David, everything that you could possibly put on him, and I can imagine how he felt. He, he probably can't even walk in it. Probably weighed more than he weighed. He says, no. He told King Saul, I can't do it. I can't do it this way. And see, one thing we have to realize, when we're going to face the battle that we're going to face, or the giant that we're going to face, we have to go out there with what we know how to use. We can't use somebody else's talents. We can't use somebody else's gear. We can't use King Saul. We have to know what we have. What do you have to use? What do you have to fight the enemy with? And so here David takes everything off and he picks up his bag that has a sling. And he picks up five stones on his way. And he takes one and he puts it in that sling. And he starts swinging it around. And BAM! Come on, did you feel it? I'm sure Goliath felt it because he went down. He says, how can you send out this scrawny little boy to take on me? But yet that little boy took him down. And David said, not only did I take out the lion and the bear, but I'm going to take you out too. Not only am I going to take you out, I'm going to cut your head off. And he took Goliath's own sword and cut his head off. That's having victory. But you have to realize that that battle that you're fighting has to be on your terms, not on somebody else's. You have to go out there with the armor that you know how to use. And David, the only thing that he had was a sling and a stone. That's what he used. He took out Goliath. Amen? Amen. As we continue on here, oh. I do have no. Now we're going to turn to the second book of Samuel, chapter 23. Amen. I'll wait till he gets it up on there for you. Amen. And next we, next to him was Shammah, the son of Aga, the Herite. When, when the Philistines banded together at a place, there was a field full of lentils, and Israel's two troops fled from them. Amen? Isn't that amazing? Here, Shammah's there, but everybody else left. His brothers, his friends, his warriors, his companions, they all split. But yet, Shammah was alone. But one thing you have to realize, when we're in that field, when we're in that battlefield, we're not alone. 
Jonathan says, I'm not going to leave. I'm going to stand my ground. I'm going to stay right where I'm at. See, one thing that we have to realize is that we can't run away from our problems. We're not going to have victory if we're running away from everything that we're going to face. He says, no, even if I'm taken out, I'm still staying here, Lord. Because see, one thing he knew that he had was a relationship with God. And when you have a relationship with the Lord, you're not going to run away from anything because you know that God has got your back. He stood his ground. He took on one after another after another. And it said that he had a, a victorious day. He came out victorious. Because why? Because he didn't leave. He didn't give up. He had a sword of truth. He had the sword of the Spirit upon him. That is what he had. He had the Holy Ghost power. We talk about power tonight. Well, the power comes through the Holy Spirit. The power comes through God who is reigning inside of us. We're not going to do it on our own. We're not going to fight any battle on our own. We can't stand any ground on our own when we don't have Jesus Christ inside of us. We need to have the Holy Spirit inside of us. We need to know what God wants to do with us. We need to know what the Word of God is going to tell us to do. We need to hear His voice. We need to quit playing around and quit playing games. And we need to get back to where we're supposed to be at. The church has disappeared right now. The church has vanished right now throughout the world. Not just here. Because we're afraid to fight. We're afraid to get into that battlefield. We're afraid to find out what's going to really happen. Well, nothing's going to happen if you're not there. We're afraid. Fear shouldn't even be part of our literature. It shouldn't even be considered in our life if we're walking with the Lord. But yet, fear grips us. It takes a hold of us. It causes us to split. Shama left alone, but he had victory. He, we're not alone. Not, God's not going to leave us alone. He says, I'm there with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. You've got to believe in what you believe in. You know, when I got saved, that's, that's something that we would always say over and over. I believe. I, 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 there was something that, that was going around that... that I know 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 I'm saved. And today, you don't even hear that anymore. Pastor said the other day to our visitor that came in, he's old school. Yeah, I am old school. Because see, back in the day, we had Holy Ghost power, Holy Ghost preaching, Holy Ghost everything. But today, we don't want to even come and hear the Word of God anymore. We don't want to get excited anymore. We don't want to do anything anymore for the kingdom of God. Instead, we want to stay home, stay in our, in our, in our cells. We want to stay secluded. Oh, there's something going on. There's a pandemic, pandemic. You call whatever you want to call it. There's a virus. There's a sickness in the land. But we want to use an excuse to stay away from the battlefield. Because, see, God wants to use us to fight what's out there. To let the people know that you don't have to fear that the disease that's out there. there there's a cure, and that cure is Jesus Christ. And they won't know it until we tell them. 
I can't wait to get back out in the streets. I can't wait to tell people. Because, see, they have to see the difference of what we are. They can't just see the outside appearance. They need to know that we have something inside of us. What do you have? What do you have to offer them? What do you have to give them? Do you have any hope? Do you have any joy? You know, I, I was sitting at my desk just before I left the house, and I, I was trying to get this together real quick and getting ready to go, and I kept hearing this bing, bing, bing. And, and, and I saw who it was my sister texting. And I, said, I ain't even answering that. that. That would have been a distraction right now. See, that's what the enemy wanted to do is distract me. And I said, no. And, and, and here I got all these notes and everything, but you know something? I, I have to come here and I have to allow God to move in my life and allow the Holy Spirit to show me and to show me and, and, and give me the words to say because I don't know what to say sometimes. I don't know how to say it sometimes. And I, I, I feel like Moses at times. I stutter when I say things because I'm trying to put things together and I don't know how to put it together the right way so that you can understand that it's God that wants to speak to you, not me. We look in, in, in the book of Exodus and chapter 14 and verse 16, and we see the children of Israel. They have left Egypt. The, they're facing the Red Sea in front of them and the Egyptians behind them. And they're saying, we got nowhere to go. I got nowhere to go. Really. You think God's going to deliver you out of bondage that you've been in for over 400 some years to take you and have you die in the desert? Many of us have been in bondage our whole entire lives until we got saved. But here, they were in slavery. They were in bondage. They were in turmoil. They were hurting. And they cried out and they called on God to help them and to bring deliverance and healing to their lives. And, and here God is moving and God is showing them things and doing miracles in their lives and, and bringing plagues down upon the Egyptians and, and, and getting Pharaoh to change his heart. And Pharaoh keeps hardening his heart over and over and over. And yet God had to take out the firstborn. And that's why they have the, 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 the blood over the doorpost uh, for the uh, Passover. Because see, God, was angel of death was passing over. And, and those that didn't have that blood on their doorpost, their firstborn would have died. See, see God is not impartial. God is going to treat everybody the same. You have to realize that whether you're saved or you're unsaved or are you're just a worldly person or a religious person, you still have to face the living God. And yet they're here at the Red Sea. They're here at a place where they can't go further. They can't go further. And they know that what's behind them. And they cried to Moses, you brought us here to die. And the Lord speaks to Moses and so what do you got in your hand? The Lord told him, take that staff, touch the Red Sea. 
And you can imagine, as soon as he did that, the commotion that took place, the noise that took place, the parting that took place, and it happened throughout the night. I don't know about you, but if I was there, I couldn't sleep, knowing I could see the partition of the, the Red Sea splitting in two sections. In the morning when it was all done and said that the Israelites were able to walk on dry land all the way across to the other side, knowing that the enemy is still following them. But God protected them. God had, had, had a, a pillar of fire at night and, and a cloud during the day, and God protected them the whole time. Then they get to the other side and they all cross safely. And again, the Lord tells Moses, now touch the waters again. And imagine, that flow came back to its regular flow. The Red Sea just came down upon the Egyptians. And everyone that was in those waters, the Pharaoh, the chariots, the, the warriors, were all annihilated. They were all killed off. Not one survived, it says. And yet, the children of God, all they did was complain. And every time they, they complained, God just showed them a greater miracle and a greater miracle. And they, they got saved and they got delivered. And here they're away from uh, Egypt. And now they're in, in uh, promise, heading to the promised land. But here you have to realize when there's nowhere to go, God will make a way. God will make a way for us. We don't have to worry about what we're facing, what's in front of us. We don't have to worry about what's behind us because God got our back. Then there's a man named Naaman. I don't have the scripture written down. I forgot to write it down. Sorry. Probably on my other notes. But Naaman, he was a warrior. And, and, and the king uh, found favor in him. But this man had leprosy. All right? And you can imagine, here you're a warrior, but yet you're a leopard. And so his servant goes to his wife and tells his wife about the prophet Elijah. If he would just go to him, he would be cleansed. He would be healed. And so the wife tells the husband, and the husband takes off to a journey to find Elijah. And he gets to his house, and, and, and Elijah doesn't come out to him. Instead, Elijah sends his servant out to him and tells Naaman, go dip yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Naaman gets furious. He, he's upset. He's mad because he thought that Elijah would surely just come out, lay hands on him, and he'd be healed. Just like that. Boom. That didn't happen. And then he's more furious because 
Oh, now he wants me to go dip in the Jordan that's so filthy and smelly and probably stinks. Then God has to use his servants to tell him, well, if he would have told you something hard, wouldn't you have done it? It's amazing if we were just listen and do what we're asked to do, how easy it would be. And so he finally is convinced to go, all right, I'll go dip myself in the Jordan. He goes and dips himself seven times, and guess what? Come on. He's cleansed. He's healed. If we would just listen to what God would tell us, amen, we wouldn't have to go through what we're going through. We wouldn't have to face that sickness or that disease. The world wouldn't have to face what they're facing right now if they would just listen. But we're looking for a, a... a different remedy. God's not going to give you a different remedy. He wants you to hear what He has you to hear. Amen? In 2 Kings chapter 4, 16, Elijah tells this uh, woman that by next year, she's going to have a son. Six, uh, chapter 16. No, I'm sorry. Chapter 4, verse 16. My bag. Hear this woman, because Elijah would pass through, she tells her husband, let's fix a a room for him so he can have a place to rest. Uh, We'll set up a table for him, a lampstand for him. And so he turns around and says, what can I do for this woman? So he turns around and tells her, by next year you're going to have a son. Amen? Isn't that amazing? Just, but she says, please, no, my Lord, she objected. Please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. So, as we look at that right there, keep that up on the screen, though. All right? And here, years had passed by. The, the boy had grown, and, and he goes out to his father and says, my head, my head. So the father has the servants take him back to the mother. And as the mother's holding him, he dies. And so she turns around and lays the boy on the prophet's bed. And she takes and gets her saddle ready. And she has a servant go with her. And she says, don't stop until we find Elijah. And she gets to this man of God and, you know, just like a woman, she's going to blame the prophet. So I told you not to mislead me. You gave me a son. Now you're taking him away? Isn't that amazing? God's not going to give you something and take it away. He's wanting you to call out to him. And here she says, okay, I'm going to call out to the prophet. Okay, you're the one who told me I'm going to have this son. Now I need you to do something. And so Elisha turns around and he sends his servant, Gehazi, to the boy with the staff, and he tells him to touch the boy with the staff. And, and Gehazi comes back to Elijah and says, well, he didn't awake. And so Elijah and the woman are already back, waiting and going back to the house where the boy is, and Elijah shuts the door behind him and lays on the boy, and nothing happens. Then he turns around and gets back and lays down on the boy again, and the boy sneezes seven times. And he comes back to life, and he hands the boy to the mother. 
Amen. God is not going to take away something from you that He's given you. The thing is, is He's wanting us to call out upon Him so we don't lose what we have. See, He knows what we're going through. He knows what we're facing. He knows that that's a battle in life. She didn't want to lose Him in the first place, and she didn't want to be misled. Don't give me something that you're going to take back. See, a lot of times we don't want to talk to God and tell Him what was going on inside of us. Because here, this is what God wants to do. He wants us to go to Him. He knows what we're facing. He knows what we're going through. But she said, the husband came into the house. Is everything all right? She goes, yeah, and took off. Why? Because she wasn't going to accept that. Her victory came because she was going to see the man of God. Her victory came because she went out of her way to make sure that God was in the presence of her son and brought him back to life. You have to realize it wasn't just the prophet laying on that boy. It was the Holy Spirit and the breath of God coming back into this boy's life that sprung him back to life again. We have to read more than what we read. But the problem is the church doesn't want to read the Bible anymore. We think that, oh, well, I'm just going to show up for service and that's the only time I get the Word of God. That's why I'm only giving you parts of Scripture here. Pieces of it. You have to read the rest of the story if you want to find out what's going on. Because I'm not going to sit here and tell you the whole story. Because we could be here all night. Amen? But, you know, this is how good God is. She's shaking her head over there. Yeah, uh-huh. But God is good. God is always good. No matter what we go through, I'm going to, you know, I want to wind this up right now. And I'm going to finish this up with the book of Acts, chapter 16. Because I like, I like what this, this one is. Verse 22. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. Continue on. As they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was committed to guard them carefully. And when they received these orders, they put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praising, praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Amen. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We are all here. Amen? Don't harm yourself. Here, this is the midnight hour. They're in, in seclusion. They're in darkness. And here, all they could do is think about praising and singing praises and worship unto the Lord, even in their situation. And because of that, here, um, it's an earthquake or shaking took place in that prison, and all the prison doors were open, and all the chains were break 
broken. Amen. Can you imagine what was going on? And the and the jailer wakens up because of all the commotion and about to take his own life because of what's taking place. And Paul calls out, we're all here. Not one escape. Why? Here, even the prisoners, it says, were listening. They couldn't understand. Here, these guys were beaten and thrown in jail. And it's the midnight hour, and they're praising God. And we're afraid to, to face a little turmoil. But here, God shows up in the midnight hour. You know what? God shows up in our desperation. When we feel like we're in darkness and we feel that we have nowhere to go and, and we're locked up. We've been in prison our whole lives and we've been locked up our whole lives until Jesus broke the chains. There's victory in Jesus. And for you that are out there that are listening live, there's victory. Amen? In Jesus. In the midnight hour when you should be crying out and calling upon God, there's victory in Jesus. Amen? you got to be excited about what God is doing in your lives. You know, you come here and, and, and you're expecting God to move and you're just sitting there. God's want, wanting to hear you praise Him and worship Him and shout and shake the rooftop. But we're afraid to be heard. We're afraid that the community out there might hear us. They might know that we're alive. We ought to be alive. We should be alive. But we don't act like it. We're afraid of what they might think of us, what they might say. But Paul and Silas in the midnight hour, that prisoners were listening. They couldn't understand. Here these guys are beaten and they're still praising God. They've been taken down, but they're still praising God. Where are we at in a walk with the Lord today? What, what are we doing today? We're afraid to go and tell somebody about our story. I'm not afraid to tell people about my story. Pastor's not afraid to tell them about his story. We all have struggles. We all have battles. We all have things that we go through. We all have fears in our life, but Jesus shows us how to get rid of those things in our life. As I close tonight, and you have to realize that we've been in prison too long. Maybe you're out there. Maybe you're listening on Facebook. Maybe you're here, and you've been in prison too long. And you don't know the love of Jesus Christ in your life. You don't have a relationship that you think you have. Or maybe you don't even know you how to have that relationship. But the Lord, it's amazing how He comes. And He starts knocking on our heart. Because see, the Word of God you have to understand the Word of God changes all that. The Word of God, He says, cuts down to the bone and the marrow, the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's what the Word of God does. God shows us what we need. 
Not what we want. That woman needed her son back and she knew who to go to. My sister needs her husband back home, but she doesn't know that she needs to call upon the Lord. We're calling upon the Lord for her. That's what we're doing. That's what we should be doing. When we have prayer requests, it's amazing nobody has a prayer request. We always have prayer requests. Our co-workers are prayer requests. Our families are prayer requests. Amen? Our loved ones, our children, our grandchildren, our newborn. Amen? But we need Jesus. If you're out there, if you're here, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I ask you tonight, will you say a prayer with me? Will you, would you ask Him to come into your life tonight? If that's you and you want to pray, we're going to pray right now. Father God, I want, I want the church to pray too. You need to pray this prayer with me. You need to pray it for those that are around you that are afraid to, to mention the name of Jesus. Father God, I come to you tonight a sinner knowing that you are the one that saves us, that gave us your son Jesus, who came down from heaven onto this earth, who shed his blood on the cross of Calvary, who went down into the grave and took away the keys of death, hell, and the grave so that we can have life. Lord, I ask you to come into my heart, to come into my life, to be the Lord and Savior of it. And most of all, Lord, I ask you to give me the, your Holy Spirit to come inside of me, to teach me, and to guide me, and to show me what you would have me to do. Right now, I confess you as Lord and Savior of my soul. In Jesus' name, amen.